0: Welcome to IB Voices. For this Asia Pacific series in our third episode, IB Educators on Leadership. We have brought together leading educators from this region's networks as they conduct a roundtable discussion on the impact of the current global health crisis and strategies for successful response. On this episode, I'm joined by David Boardman, Matt Barron and Chris Barr. You know, I think it's really important, the, the role that leaders play here. Just to give you some context, I'm getting a number of emails from schools talking about various types of leadership and the leaders that we have on this particular podcast are of a particular type where they're involved and understand the program and pedagogically based and so forth. So I'd love to hear your insights in terms of how, as leaders, David, Chris and Matt, you get involved in the e-learning at your schools. Um, Perhaps if we start with Chris.
1: Thanks, Steve. I think one of the biggest discussions that we had very early on from a leadership perspective was just where teachers sit in the sense of what's being thrust upon them. And we're in a privileged spot that we've had a two-year partnership with. Professor Lee Waters from Melbourne Union and looking at visible world, making wellbeing visible. And I think one of the things that I take from her is she talked about self-determination theory and this idea that teachers have lost the three basic needs. They've lost their ability for autonomy. They've lost their relatedness and their connectedness because of the situation they're in. And they've also lost this ability to sort of understand their competence because teachers measure themselves by standing in front of their class and the engagement of their kids and the engagement of the lessons. So... By taking those three things away from them, you actually change how a teacher perceives themselves. So from my perspective, I think the key role of the leader here is, one, to be visible. And I suppose the way I look to do that is Zoom's a great tool. I have weekly check-ins with every single one of my teams. I spend half an hour online with them. I give them information. I receive information about how they're going. Um, I, I listen to them. I am able to read the body language and pick up the phone if I think someone's a little bit wobbly at that time. But it's the connection and it's the connectedness that we're trying to build. Yeah. And that's, that's from my perspective as a leader, but it's also from the team to know that I'm there and know that I'm, I'm, I'm part of this process. I think the other piece too that we've really considered is, it's, I think it's the role of the leader to keep, try to keep routine and try to, try to keep fle- routine but fle- with flexibility. Um, and what I mean by that is when we first started I, I go back and I remember teachers saying I'm working 12 hours a day I'm working I, I lose track of the time and it's so easy to do when you're working from a home environment you can get caught up in what you're doing teachers get caught up on the best of days because they're so passionate but you get caught up the next minute you look at the clock and you haven't had morning tea and you haven't had lunch and it's the end of the day so I think it's encouraging that routine, it's encouraging the breaks. Every Friday afternoon, an email goes home to parents with the following week's learning grid. So, teachers are always working that week, in, week in, yeah. in front. And I think part of that sort of got us into a routine that enabled teachers to feel like they were in control. And I think the other part too is to create uh, opportunities. Matt's talked about uh, connections with students. We too, we do too lots of connections a day. One's probably more of a learning focus the other one's more of a well-being focus but i think they are vital for leaders to ensure their teachers are doing because the energy that comes from your kids or your staff members um, is just vital Um, it's Mm -hmm. the one thing you don't want to lose in this whole process so i think it's about continually giving information as it's needed it's not overwhelming teachers i think sean was saying or somebody's saying about their limiting the communication I send one to two emails a week to the staff. Other than that, it's when I connect with them for 30 minutes that I try to give them their information. It's allowing them to do their job. I think at any time um, other than now, you give them autonomy. And I'll tell you what, there's teachers out there that are just completely and utterly surprising you. Um, I had a great conversation today with the network that I'm in, and we really talked about how, especially our younger teachers who um, are trying to find their feet in a classroom environment, well, they're absolutely shining in this environment. Because it's what they're used to and it's, it's what, they've, what they've been brought up with. So I think, as I said, for me, it's the autonomy. It's trying to create the relatedness and the connectedness. And it's also trying to reassure people that they're doing a good job and it's looking for the positives and it's being aware of the emotions that the individuals bring and trying to be able to put support mechanisms in for that.
0: Yeah, thanks, Chris.
2: Matt? I think Chris has mentioned a lot of things that I was going to talk about as well. I think our role as leaders doesn't really change. It's just the how that changes in a remote learning situation. So I think our role is still to provide clarity and direction and and vision. We just can't do that by standing in front of a group of people at a staff meeting on a Monday night. So Mm -hmm. we need to find other ways to do that. And we're really forced into doing it in the ways that our teachers are connecting with students. So we're using the same platforms of, of, of Zoom, email other documents that are in the cloud etc so our situation in australia has been somewhat confusing in recent weeks because we're getting different messages from state governments and federal governments and and the state government will uh release
0: around the world
2: yes and so our teachers are are confused as well and and so i think our role as leaders is to provide clarity so we're we're creating guidelines and and anchoring documents and, and written expectations about what is important and, and what not to worry about as well. So that that really has been my role in the early phases of, of remote learning for us. Developing anchoring documents that people can refer back to for support and, and not having to always ask other people what's going on. And, and mm. we found that causes a lot of confusion when people are guessing. So being really um, transparent with all of that decision making as well, uh, I think We've sent out, like other people have mentioned, weekly weekly updates or communication as it's needed and just talking through the decision-making process in, in those emails or in those broadcasts because um, once people understand why a decision has been made and the context behind it, they're, they're a lot more accepting of, of that and they understand the thinking behind it. The other thing that we have in place, the same as, as Chris, is is joining collaborative planning meetings and One of the great things about remote learning is that you can actually get more people into a collaborative planning session than you otherwise would. Uh, The structure in our school is that the single-subject teachers teach the kids to release the learning group teachers to have their collaborative planning. And once a week, for about 40 minutes, the single-subject teachers will meet with learning group teachers after school. Well, with the the platform that we have now, with with the learning menus, all of the single subject teachers and the learning diversity teachers and the wellbeing hub team are able to come in and out of those collaborative planning meetings and, and really understand what the, the bigger picture of learning is all about and, and are contributing in more significant ways. Well, so to, really? to provide the platform for collaboration is probably a, a really crucial role for, for us as leaders. I jump into collaborative planning meetings, make myself available to talk to teachers regularly as well and and like most of you probably have a little checklist of who you've spoken to and who you might need to catch up with in in coming days. I'm managing the challenging parents and fortunately we we have very few of those but we do have uh, situations where parents are in financial strife because of what's going on and just trying to provide support financially for those parents and also you know, a little bit of a shoulder to, to sort of lean on for, for staff and, and parents who might be in a situation where a partner or someone in the family has lost a job. So, trying to reassure people and, and provide pathways for them to still remain at the school has been really important.
1: It's actually the role of the leader to be able to look after your staff at this time as well. So many varying views and perspectives, not just from families from parents and things but from departments and from foundations and a whole range of things so i think the role the key part is there to provide clarity but also to be able to protect and support and put in place the strategies and processes that will be in the best interest of your teachers and i think the other piece there that matt was talking about i think collaborative planning is an interesting terminology and interesting look at this time and i'd love to do some sort of study around what does true collaborative planning look like because what we are seeing, I think, the role of the leader is also to be able to encourage growth at this point as well, um, and look for those growth opportunities. We are seeing that teaching is more visible and collaboration is more visible than it will ever be. Um, you have collaborative planning, and then teachers going to their own classrooms and they deliver the curriculum to the students. When you're planning learning grids for 120 students and you're working collab- truly collaborative, things challenges like what does a learning intention really look like, and what does what the what are the best learning engagements to cater for these kids uh, really comes to the forefront. So I think there's a real opportunity now and as as this sort of takes place is to be able to celebrate, acknowledge and help let help teachers grow to become better teachers when we do come back to face-to-face.
0: David, have you got anything to add Oh, to the, the <coughs> comments of Chris and Matt? Hey,
3: thanks. thanks, thanks, Chris. Thanks,
1: Matt. Uh,
0: I think as the
3: leader, you, you are that stability. You, at, at a time when, again, the, the teachers... Uh, it was very interesting before, you know, I think it was Chris talking about, you know, building the autonomy uh, of the teachers and, and that is great, you know, it's, it's reassuring them that what they're doing is good and it's right and it's, you know, it's great for the students, but they're also looking for that reassurance as well. That, you know, I'm finding a lot of my teachers are uh, almost being requesting to be told what to do for that, yeah. for that personal reassurance. Because as they're starting to shift in their their working patterns, and for some, they may have been working in a certain style for, heaven forbid, 30, 40 years, suddenly they've been thrown into this, and no longer can they go and do their collaboration around a table within their faculty, they're at home. Uh, And the situation we're in in New Zealand, we're in what they call in lockdown at the moment, whereas you're basically meant to stay within your four walls. So people are beginning to feel very physically isolated. Mm -hmm. So again, it's making sure that that communication is there as a leader so that emotionally and mentally they're not feeling isolated. We've only sort of gone through about two weeks of, of online learning, but what we did as principals in that second week was made sure that we phoned all the teachers. So we divvied up the teachers between us, phoned them, and the conversation was not about school. It was about how are you, how are your kids, you know, how's life, you know, actually connecting to them as a person as well, because that's what we've got to remember, you know, we're not just the leaders, we're we're not just the employers, we're not just colleagues, we're also humans. got to hang on to that humanistic side of things as well, especially at this time. So it's bringing that, and as Matt said as well, you know, uh, reassuring them that they will hear from that two or 3% of very vocal parents who maybe don't agree with the teaching approach, but what they're not hearing from directly is the 85, 90% who are very, very happy with how things are going. So it's our job as well to feed that back to them, to reassure them that what they're doing is excellent and that consistency of the messaging.
0: Thanks, David. Yeah, some great insights there. From all leaders and really in-depth insights that are going to be of such help to, to schools entering this situation. Thanks for listening, and I would like to thank our panel for joining us. These episodes were just the first in our ongoing series, which will bring leading educators together from across our IB community to discuss in greater depth some of the topics raised in this roundtable discussion. In our next episodes, We'll be delving further into different topics and looking at the challenges and strategies for success in maintaining well-being for teachers and students. Be sure to tune in to our next episode.